We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio, the 19th episode of the year, and we have an action-packed one. Okay, maybe not action-packed. It's our Rams Talk Awards, the 2018 Rams Talk Awards, and folks, with me today, little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro, and of course, Michael Stewart, the the uh, one of our favorites who's now on the staff, by the way, in case you haven't um, figured that out yet. The man is now on the staff as a host here, and uh, we're glad to have him. It's always great to have a ram in the pocket. You know, and by the way, you can't see him now. One of these days we're going to do the whole video thing. Mike's wearing his Legends Community t-shirt. Show off. Beautiful. <laughs> Show off. All right. So, Mike, we'll start with you. How are you feeling today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. And yourself? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Hanging in there. It's uh, Good. we're a little bit late getting our podcast going this week, but I guess we're also recovering from the Super Bowl. Maybe. Yeah, still recovering from the Super Bowl. Still recovering. It's been interesting, <laughs> uh, you know, week of questions and what happened, and so uh, yeah. But other than that, you know, we're uh, bracing for a little more rain here in the next couple of days. We had some rain this past weekend and a couple of days of sunshine. So, uh, you know, we take all the positives and minuses and just put them in the same bowl and say, let's eat this bowl of cereal. Eat the bowl of cereal. <laughs> 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 Little Stevie, how you doing, bud? 
Uh, we didn't get rain today. Out in New York, we got some freezing snow, a little bit of light hail. So uh, that was a fantastic commute to work, I must say. But can't complain, man. You know, I got to watch my beloved Sixers whoop up on the Lakers on Sunday. Oh, so. dude, come on. You want an L.A. podcast for talking <laughs> that trash. Uh, Are you done? serious? Maybe we'll meet in the finals. I would like it if you uh, make the playoffs. We'll make the playoffs. I'm not sure about anything else. We'll have to see how that goes. All right, guys. So before we get knee-deep into today's show, we do remind you we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, I mean, pretty much everywhere at this point. You can also find our podcast list with Clutch Points. We are now the first team-specific podcast with Clutch Points. They are a pretty cool site based out of the uh, SoCal. Jeez. Um, they feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips, so check them out. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us out. And don't forget our shows on the other network, on this network, you know, Rampage Radio and Butting Heads. And soon, Norm is going to have his own show, which will just strictly focus on breaking down film. So we're a busy group here, a, big, a very busy group. There is one more thing, and I'll make it really brief. I have a survey up on Twitter, and it's basically asking for feedback from you. We are a, a company that produces a lot of content, and in order to be able to keep producing content, we have to make some income. It's not like we're trying to get rich or anything, but we want to be able to to provide more stuff, better stuff, higher quality podcasts, and you know, eventually, if we can't do that, then there's no point in doing this. So, we're not asking you for money. I'm just asking you to go fill out the fill out the the survey, letting us know. Um, about we ask about Patreon or ask if we open up a store things like that to kind of help us get some information so we can figure out what we can do to keep our podcast going not just this year but for years to come. So again, we're not asking you for money or it's asking you for information, and we'd really appreciate that. All right, so the Rams Talk Awards, everybody. You guys ready? Let's do it. Okay, so this is our second year doing this. Last year it was it was fun. And this year's, I think, even more interesting because of how far we got. Uh, our first award is for the most missed players. We're looking at players who left the team in the offseason last year. They were traded or, or they did not resign. And we vote for the one that we missed the most on the field. Now, this year, we also opened it up not just to the staff, but to you, the listeners. So you're in here as well. And our nominees were Sammy Watkins, Tavon Austin, Robert Quinn, Tremaine Johnson, and Alec Ogletree. So, Mike, I'll start with you. Who did you choose as the most missed player? All right, folks, so we're having some technical difficulties with Mike's mic, and so we're working on that. In the meantime here, um, who did you pick, Steve? Who, who was your guy that you missed the most this year? I went with Robert Quinn. I think it's pretty clearly one of the three defensive candidates, um, Sammy Watkins, who – I think I was a little more kind to than others talking about his time here. I think we upgraded there, so not really missed. Tavon Austin, I mean, I'm not even going to acknowledge that he's in this poll. And then <laughs> I don't think – I think Trumaine was missed a little bit, but if Talib was out there the whole year, uh, we wouldn't have really felt the loss at cornerback. I think it really came down to Quinn and Ogletree. And I think Corey Littleton stepped up as an inside linebacker, and we used some safeties in that position to help out, but – until Fowler showed up, we had a pretty glaring weakness at outside linebacker and pass rushers. And even when he did show up, it was still a weakness. And Robert Quinn isn't really built for the 3-4, but I thought he was pretty good last year, maybe a little overpaid. And I just thought it would have been really, really nice to have a guy like that coming off the edge for us this year. I think out of all the players we lost, his presence was missed the most. Well, and I went with Tremaine Johnson. And a lot of it comes down to Tlaib injury because when you when Tlaib's gone and all those things are exposed, one thing Tremaine did bring he 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 made you pull your hair out sometimes, but he did bring stability to the position. So in the course of the year, that's who I missed the most overall, just through sixteen games. But our winner, guys, is linebacker Alec Ogletree with thirty five point seven percent of the vote. And that comes with an asterisk because my dumb butt accidentally voted twice. And so it was tied. <laughs> it was tied. I had to remove a vote by accident. And so 
And I'm guessing the reason why he's missed so much is, you know, for as many holes as there are in the linebacking core, his leadership was a big part of that team, and a lot of people were upset when he left. And the linebacking core did, I think, need some leadership this year. So I guess I could see why people would vote for him. Um, and we did, you know, we did miss that a little bit, I think. I think we miss him, and I went to the Giants-Bears game this year where Alec Ogletree, I think he had two interceptions. One of them was returned for a touchdown, so I was loving that. That was awesome to see, and yeah, man, he was a Ram for a while, led the team in tackles multiple times. I mean, I think he, him and Quinn and Johnson, they were all really integral parts of the Rams core for a while, and unlike Tavon, uh, no disrespect to Tavon, but these guys weren't really disappointments for most of their tenure. So, yeah, I think he was a leader on the team. He was a captain for a while. I, I missed him. I just missed Quinn a little more. Well, Tavon was on that list because he has that small core of people that thought Tavon could do no wrong. There's that small little <laughs> yeah. core of Rams fans that, and, you know, I'm not going to quabble with that. I'm not going to argue with that. It's just that that is what it is. All right, we're still waiting for Mike to get back, and we'll have to go back and get his thoughts a little bit when, he, when uh, a little bit later when he gets here. Um, and, of course, Steve has his podcast. He's back? Uh, All he's right, back. just in time. So our winner um, for the most missed player was Alec Ogletree. Uh, who was your guy? I, I kind of I agree with Ogletree just on the surface, but I think deeper it would be Tavon Austin in the sense of uh, the way Coach McVay wanted to go deep. And, you know, at least you have a guy – even if he's just a decoy to to run some guys off, I think that may have opened up the passing game a little more, especially with the uh, the minus of Cooper Cup. Wow! So we're going to see you two debate right away then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think. Uh, did, wait, you said Watkins, right? No, he said Tavon. Oh. I just heard receiver, and I assumed it was not Tavon. <laughs> Out of all these guys, you really think Tavon was the most missed? Well, I just think in a sense of stretching the field and, and the passing game and the concepts they wanted to, to continue to use, just down the stretch, you know, uh, you take a Tavon Austin, use the speed to just, you know, run some guys off, you know, that's going to just open up the field a little bit more. Yeah, I don't totally disagree. I think as much as I miss the other guys more, there were actually moments where I did miss Tavon. And I think, honestly, and this might hurt people but i think he's a better punt returner than jojo natson um, yes i think yeah i think he lost his job last year because he fumbled and right uh credit to farrell cooper he took the ball and ran with it well and then didn't this year and i think we'll get into him later on this podcast but i think i would rank him maybe tied with Watkins or last out of these guys but i do think his presence was missed a little bit it's nice to have a gadget player like that well uh, yeah but you know what he he was in his own head the whole time, guys. I mean, that's why he lost his job. He got on his own head. Mentally, he couldn't. Yeah. He started the playbook, started the kick return game. And, you know, when you get in that position where you mentally just don't fit anymore, I, I, you miss him. But, and you, and you, you go back and you wish and you think, man, the potential was always there. And he just couldn't make it happen. Now he's in another, with Dallas, a team he play again next year. So, yay. Yay. <laughs> right. All right. Here we go. Our next category, Game of the Year, and we had several nominations for this. Um, I mean, some serious, serious – the Rams had a lot of close games this year, a lot of very good games, but, you know, I think it was one that stood out. Here's our nominees. Week 4, 38-31 over the Vikings. Week 5, 33-31 over the Seahawks. Week 8, 29-27 over the Packers. Week 11, 54-51 over the Kansas City Chiefs. Divisional playoff, uh, 30-22 over the Cowboys, and of course the NFC Championship, 26-23 over the Saints. Uh, what was your pick, guys? I'll start with Steve. I went with the Chiefs-Rams game. I mean, that just from start to finish was an absolute barn burner. Third highest scoring game in NFL history. Um, I know some people love the defensive battles, and I do, but I, I do too. But I actually think in this game, we kind of disrespected the defense a little bit by saying it was strictly an offensive shootout. There was like nine turnovers. There was like three defensive touchdowns. I mean, as much as the defense has got torch of time, they also were made huge critical plays on both teams, um, especially us. Pat Mahomes won the MVP, and we picked him off a lot in this game. Uh, it had a dramatic finish. It was just wall-to-wall action, and I think 
I really enjoyed the, the Vikings game, and I really enjoyed the NFC Championship. Uh, that was an awesome comeback from the team. But personally, I think it's pretty clearly, to me, the Chiefs-Rams game. And uh, hopefully we get to see that matchup in the Super Bowl down the road. Mike? My fellas, uh, my game, obviously the KC game was, was outstanding for just the all the back and forth. But my game is, you like that? You like that? You know, just because, you know, the Vikings went all in on Kirk Cousins and, you know, Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins got paid and, you know, they were going to do all of this and come in here just, you know, or up there, uh, whack us and do all these things. Uh, but I just like the idea that, that we took, uh, you know, Jared Goff and the fellas in there and, and, and did what we had to do against what was supposed to be the team kind of picked I think to go to the Super Bowl or pretty deep into the playoffs so I like that game just because of the way it turned out uh you know had some back and forth but uh you know nothing in compares is, is, is in regards to the Chief game but I just like the fact that you know Kirk Cousins kind of got brought down a little little peg or two you know and don't forget as well you know, some of these games, the Packers game, the Vikings game, these are these are teams that the Rams have traditionally struggled with, especially the last 10, 15 years. So to see wins over them, those were special. And, and, and the throws that Jared Goff made in that Vikings game were off the chain. For anybody who wants to try and argue that, you know, Jared Goff's overrated, go watch that film again. You know, he's he's to me, he's like anybody else, he needs protection, and he got protection that day, and look at the throws he made. But for me, my my game is week 11, 54, 51. And this is my argument for it. It, is, it wasn't just the fact that it was Monday Night Football, they're in the color rush, the, the, the game is wild. But just because of the surrounding atmosphere, have, having it moved back from Mexico City, um, they're honoring the first responders, and then they go out there and have this amazing game. I think in a lot of ways, that's what made the game. There was a story within a story. And that's what made this game special overall. Um, just so many different factors. Okay, and so here we go. The 10.3% of the vote went to the Vikings game. 10.3% of the vote went to the NFC Championship. 17.2% went to the Cowboys game. And 62.1% chose the Chiefs game. So you're in the minority here, Mike. It is what it is. <laughs> It is what it is. You're the minority here. It is. All right. I was surprised to see the Cowboys game coming second. I, I personally, I would have put the NFC Championship two and the Vikings game three. But I mean, first playoff game and win in what fourteen years? I I can't really knock it. Well, and, and the, the sure way they ran the ball in that game, I'm sure caught some people off guard. And then, of course, you're hearing this whole thing about the Cowboys invading the stadium, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be 50% Cowboys fans, 70% Cowboys fans. And Joe Curley later on confirms it was like the opposite way, 75-25 Rams fans. So, you know, I, that has to be it as well, in my view, anyways, that the Cowboys, it's the Cowboys. It's still, in a lot yeah. of ways, America's team. All right, folks, before we move on, we do want to uh, give a shout-out to our sponsor, uh, Jim Hawk. His book, Hollywood Teen Grit, Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, tells the story of the 1950s Rams to lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and team played for an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers, rebound players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Craigslist Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spent the 1950s Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at HollywoodsTeam.com and on Twitter at HollywoodsTeam. It's available both in hardback and electronic format, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can find Team also through various other booksellers on the internet. Folks, I've read this thing from cover to cover. When Steve actually figures out historical reading maybe he'll read it from cover to cover and we'll get this book for for mike too it's it's worth it folks it's it's affordable and all proceeds go to local charity in the los angeles area so check it out it's hollywood's team grit glamour in the 1950s los angeles brands by jim hawk well worth your time i have to get that little pot shot on you it's just i just couldn't help myself (laughs) right Look, I made a list of books I plan on buying on Amazon last week, and I put that on it. And any other Rams? Any other Rams books on there? I I don't think I put any other Rams books on there. Any you recommend? Oh uh, well, Jim Slucky's Cleveland Rams. Okay. There's one. There's the uh, 
book from Margaret Atwood that talks about, um, I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but talks about the desegregation of the NFL, and of course the Rams put a big part of that. There's quite a few. Blood, Jack Youngblood's autobiography, if you could find that. Blood. Okay. So there's a few, and of course there's a, there's a book coming out soon from the PFRA covering the 1951 Rams, which... Um, I get to brag a little bit. I get to be an editor on that one. Yay. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, that's pretty awesome. Okay. Well, when I'm not patting myself in the back and being an arrogant <laughs> dork, okay, we do have this other thing called a podcast to get to. And we're on to our next category. And this is the 2018 Offensive MVP. And I'm a little surprised at the results. I'll tell you guys why. But our, our nominees are Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. Mike, who is your offensive MVP? Uh, well, you didn't list them. It's Big Andrew Whitworth. Ooh. Yeah. See, I was an old lineman in high school, and one of the themes that our, our coach would always teach us is a bat can't go where a lineman hasn't already gone before. So whether it was Gurley or whether, you know, it's uh, my man golf back there passing, you're not really doing anything without someone up front really doing their job. And I think, you know, Andrew Whitworth is really undervalued for not only his play, but his leadership, uh, just his upbeatness. I mean, he plays every snap four quarters. Uh, you don't see that a lot today, especially, you know, with the number of years he has in the league. You know, a guy like him kind of is more in cruise control, but, you know, he still looks like he's playing with the attitude of a rookie. So that's kind of my hidden hidden uh, uh, MVP is big Miss, Mr. Whitworth. Jeez, I wish I would have thought about that. Steve, what you got? <laughs> uh Personally, well, Mike, first of all, one day you got to tell me how you went from being a high school offensive lineman to an he NFL defensive back. Right. That sounds like a wild story. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I went with Jared Goff. I think I think for me it came down to him and Gurley and no credit big way or the rest of the offensive line, but I think they moved more as a unit where I went with Goff kind of because we saw what the offense looked like when Gurley uh, didn't get the ball a ton or didn't really produce or – quite honestly wasn't on the field and we also saw what the offense was like when Goff didn't produce and most of those games where Goff didn't produce we lost and I think we snuck away in some of the games that Gurley didn't produce but that's not even disrespecting Gurley that's yeah that's That's really just what came to me is I think if you replace Jared Goff with his backup the offense would have completely crumbled and fallen apart. And if you replace Gurley with his backup, even if it was Malcolm Brown and not even CJ Anderson, uh, we would have been a little bit worse. Yeah, but I think the offense would have stayed afloat. And for that reason, most valuable player, I think it was Goff. That's a good argument to make. Uh, I would say I went with Todd Gurley, and I'm I'm basing that on the fact that the one thing I think the Rams wanted to do in both the championship game and in the Super Bowl was get the ball moving on the ground. They got away with it in the championship game, and then the Super Bowl, they were lost when they couldn't move on the ground. And and as much as the Rams used play action especially, there were no real options. They they just couldn't move on the ground. And so, to me, when Todd Gurley's on, he's the best in the game, and they needed that guy on Super Bowl Sunday, and that that showed to me uh, how important he is to the offense. Uh, And overall, the... It was a little bit weird. The nominees were Jared Goff, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. I think there's an argument to be made for Cooper Cup and just how the offense changed drastically when he was when he went down. Um, of course, Jared Goff's a fair argument. Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks didn't get one vote despite being the team's leading receiver. Interesting, um, but it is Todd Gurley who wins with 44.8 percent of the vote. So. If you vote for Todd Gurley, that's your guy. He goes on to uh, make magic happen. Okay. Um, defensive player of the year. Sorry, defensive MVP. Okay. Do we even really need to discuss this, guys? No. I, no. <laughs> I, I cannot believe it wasn't unanimous. I mean, oh, no goodness. Disrespect to the other guys on the defense. I think uh, my runner up for me would probably be John Johnson, who had really a hell of a year, but. 
Like, Darren Donald had 21 and a half sacks. All right, so um, here we go. The nominees were Aaron Donald, John Johnson, Nakeep Tlaib, and Corey Littleton. Uh, Mike, you got anything to add on to that one? I was going to say I'm just surprised uh, my man Nicole Roby Coleman wasn't on there to get one vote. <laughs> <laughs> Without him, we're oh, not in the God. Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, boy. There you go. Aaron Donald with 93.1% of the vote uh, takes the Rams defensive MVP. And he's saying he's going to be better next year. We'll see how that goes. He is saying, yes, that he will be better next year. Okay. So, guys. Huh? Put anything past that. I wouldn't know. But I think it depends on. Remember, he'll be in camp next year. Yeah. So yeah, he will. Three game, two game, three game warm up. He'll be ready to go come game one. Yeah. But here's the question: Who will be next to him? Uh, Sue. So you think he'll resign? Why? Why wouldn't he? Because he. Well, I mean, it depends uh, on. I mean, he he costs. He was fourteen million this year. You think he takes a discount to stay? I would. If I were him, I would because. You know, it, it comes down to, I would think at this point in time, Sue has made his money. So it's kind of like, do you want to go somewhere where you know they're going to be losing or winning? Because if you're trying to go somewhere to win, you're probably going to have to take a pay cut anyway. Or you could stay here, you know, the system, you know, you're going to get some love, you know, days off, you know, they're going to work with you and do all that kind of stuff. And you know, you can just show up and, and ball on Sunday. So, you know, I, I would assume it, it, his time in his career, uh, if I were him, I, I would just stay stay put, you know, take a couple dollars less and just enjoy the rest of my career with a high likelihood of being right back in the hunt. Well, speaking of Sue, he's all, he's one of our nominees for the most disappointing performer this year. Um <laughs> It's, it was a weird group of nominees that we got in. Marcus Peters, Duncan Sue, Pharaoh Cooper, Mark Barron, Joan Everett, Michael Brockers, LaMarcus Joyner, and Jared Goff made the list of disappointing performers. Uh, that was a little weird to see Goff there. I think they're talking more along the lines of when he, uh, well, when he struggled in that, that Bears-Eagles stretch there. It has to be it on the Lions game, too. That has to be why they would put him there, but, or the Super Bowl. But I'm gonna go. I'll go over to Mike first. Mike, who was your most disappointing performer? For me, it's a toss up with with my man Marcus Peters and Mark Barron. Uh, you know, the advantage Mark is supposed to have, having played safety, is to be able to you know pretty much lock down any tight end, running backs, and all that good stuff. Maybe a little light for linebacker and, and maybe still learning how to really be efficient at linebacker. But him and obviously, you know, uh, Marcus Peters, you know, you come with, uh, you know, all these billings. But I kind of give it, you know, okay, it's your first year here in L.A. And, you know, but my thing is when you talk a good game, you need to back it up or just be quiet and come out and play. And then no one's going to, you know, bother you as much. But. When you do a whole bunch of talking, you got to be able to bag it up. All right. Steve, what you got? I, personally, I think I love Marcus Peters too much for him to get <laughs> my vote. But um, I think if you were basing this off of the most disappointing performance in a single game, uh, Peters might be the first three uh, award winners. But overall in the season, I actually went with Farrell Cooper just because he went from being an all-pro last year to not being on the roster. And I think JoJo Natson was pretty good, but I don't think he was impressive enough to me for him to for them to cut Cooper. And for that reason, I think it was something on Cooper that you know maybe he never got fully back from his injury. Um, that would be unfortunate. But I think just overall, you had a guy who you was an all-pro last year, even if it's not as high, you know, importance of a position as some of the other guys were went from being an all pro think he'd come in with a huge chip on his shoulder after the playoff game last year and just gets cut near the end of the run so um to me it was cooper i, I think he let he was the most disappointing as a whole and i went with lamarcus joiner and the reason why i went with him is he got franchise he got paid top money for a safety and he 
he regressed this year. And I'm not sure if it's the, communicating with new members of the secondary. Uh, we saw him get lost quite a bit, not in place. And, and you know, a couple of times Peters took a blame for a mistake that Joyner made. So that's why I went with, with Joyner. He just didn't live up to the contract of being franchised, from my point of view. And they're probably not bringing him back this year because they're not going to be able to pay him. Now, Peters, to me, was... Yeah, he struggled, but once they figure out how to use him, he got a lot better down the stretch. So I'm more willing to give him a break. Okay, so this broke down six ways. Mark Barron got 3.4% of the vote. Ndamukong Su got 3.4% of the vote. Farrell Cooper got 20.7% of the vote. Marcus Peters got 34.5% of the vote. And they agreed with me, guys. LaMarcus Joyner gets 37.9% of the vote, so he goes down as our most disappointing performer. A a worthy winner, to say the least. Um, (laughs) And he's going to be out the door, I think. But I will say, um, outside of this season, he was really a a pleasant surprise in switching to safety so well. Even before that was a decent slot corner. Um, And he was fun to watch on Hard Knocks. So uh, I enjoyed most of his tenure here. Sure. I mean, it's not personal. It's just that in the end, he didn't live up to the contract that was put in front of him for a franchise and safety. And and I mean, it's hard given the money that it was due. It's hard to think that he would have been back this year, anyways. But you know, it just it's it's a bummer because if he well, one of one of the tough things as you you're alluding to is one the expectation goes mm-hmm. way up, mm-hmm. and a lot of times. Uh, once you get up into that stratosphere, the franchise money, as a player, you can just put too much pressure on yourself and end up playing worse, which it looked like that. Absolutely. Good point. All right. So our next one, 2018 LA Rams breakout player. Our nominees are John Johnson, Josh Reynolds, Austin Blythe. There's, hey, there's an offensive lineman for you. Just yeah, saying. Yeah, I like it. I and like Corey Littleton. So, um, Steve, I'll start with you. Who was your guy? I, I do want to say I don't really feel like John Johnson should have been nominated for this award just because I feel like he broke out last year. Um, I think expectation-wise he was a lot higher than these guys, and I think he honestly lived up to it. So I think he took an expected leap, whereas the other three guys, uh, to me especially Reynolds, can just – Came out of nowhere a little bit, but I got to go with Corey Littleton. Uh, for him to really, you know, I didn't even know if he'd be a starter any in the season. He was kind of a reluctant starter. And I think coming out of the season, he's our best linebacker inside or out, even including Dante Fowler. Um, I was really, really impressed by him. I know he wasn't perfect, but especially early on in the season, he was a huge, pleasant surprise and really just a guy who I think deserved the, the looks he got. He had a Great year, made the Pro Bowl as a special teamer. Didn't get into playing it because for whatever reason they played before the Super Bowl, but also got a pick in the Super Bowl. So it was nice to see him that. And he, I think, to me clearly, and it's not even disrespecting to Blythe and Reynolds, who both had great breakout seasons, but I go Littleton. Mike? Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in agreement as well uh, with Big Steve and the fact that, uh, you know, when you have a guy – that at least when I saw him at camp, like, oh, okay, guy looks like, you know, he looks like a linebacker and things like that. But just to see his progression over the year uh, gives me great excitement to see what he will do next year. You know, now having, you know, really such a breakout year under his belt. Uh, and he he did a lot of things and just, you know, the way he covers and, and plays and, and, and just kind of making plays, being around the ball. And as Steve alluded to, you don't always see a guy that's playing like that also playing special teams and doing well as well. You know, usually once you move up to kind of the starter and a guy, they start taking away some of your special team duties. But he, he was there through the through the end. And so. Yeah, my hat's off to, to, to my man, Corey. All right. Well, for me, uh, you can go ahead and give me the mean look, Steve. I voted for John Johnson, and mm-hmm. I think it's more of a testament to, for me, yeah, you know, he really emerged last year. But to me, he became 
one of the top two or three strong safeties in the league this year. And that's what was my rationale for voting for him. And whereas Corey Littleton was great in so many different instances, he also had his struggles. Awesome Bly, that just, I just get visions of him getting blown up in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and uh, Josh Reynolds was <laughs> a guy that came on, you know, here and there. and But, you know, he was never really able to find a full niche yet. So he may be the guy we talk about next year, quite frankly. Especially since they need a goal line guy. We've talked about this. They need a tall guy at the goal line in the red zone, and his height fits that bill. So if they can develop him into that, then you know that that's that will be his niche. So oh, come my on. guy you was can't get nominated for breakout player twice because you have your breakout year, and that's your breakout. I didn't. Year. I didn't nominate him, man. I wouldn't I'm nominate him. I'm just saying. Some somebody nominated. I'm just saying. John Johnson saying, was nominated last year as a breakout player, huh? You're saying we're going to talk about Reynolds next year for this award. I think it's possible, but I wouldn't have nominated him this year. Now, don't don't look at me. I nominated him. So oh, you fair. did. Well, I you kind of yeah. you you earned it because of the way you you gave him such a hard time throughout the year. I honestly, yeah, I think I can't. I won eighty on Josh Reynolds. Um, but look, John Johnson is great, so I'm not going to come at you too hard because he. He's honestly one of my favorite players on the team now and, quite frankly, one of our best players, and it's nice to have him on a cheap deal for a while, especially with all these contracts that are coming up. Um, I personally wouldn't put him in this category because I feel like he broke out last year, but I'm not going to knock giving the guy an award, man. He's a great player. Well, my rationale was that he basically broke out twice. He became you know, a great safety last year, and then he emerged this year as a top three safety. But it doesn't matter because he didn't win. So Josh Rose at 13.8% of the vote, Austin Blythe at 17.2, John Johnson at 24.1, and you guys' pick, Corey Littleton, gets 44.8% of the vote. And so congratulations to him. And that takes us to an ad. And I think I should just throw Steve on on the, the fire here. Hey, Steve, wow. talk to us about the Gold Ram Barbershop. You know, it's not getting thrown out of the fires when you get to talk about such a great place and a great guy like Sal Martinez at the Golden Brand Barbershop. Guys, if you're looking to support one of your own out there in the Orange County area and like that old school barbershop experience, you got to check out the Golden Brand Barbershop that's located at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez, our friend, opened up his shop at the Shrine of the Rams on the day team left for st louis and he's kept the lights on ever since he's available by appointment only so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS to get squeeze you in again that's 714-894-7267 and use the promo code rams talk so he knows who sent you he's gonna give you a discount on already affordable haircut the golden ram barbershop is open monday through fridays from 8 a.m to 6 p.m and saturdays from 7 a.m to 4 p.m one more time, guys. Give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. A visit to Sal's shop is worth it. Not only do you enjoy all the Rams and beer there, but Sal provides that old-school classic barbershop experience. He's going to talk Rams football with you and whatever else. I mean, this is really a guy where you can go into the shop, get your hair cut, and talk about whether or not John Johnson should be considered a breakout player. Trust me, guys. You're not going to regret <laughs> this experience. Sal even managed to make our friends Derek and Norm look normal enough. Normal enough. <laughs> All right. So we have two categories left, and then we can call it a night. Uh, and you, you, hey, Steve, you're doing two tonight, aren't you? You got this and, and butting heads, don't you? I am. We are doing butting heads later on tonight. Oh, Jimmy, we're going to have you all tired out. Okay. I'm going to work a little early, so it's going to be a great night. <laughs> 2018 LA Rams Rookie of the Year. Our nominees are Micah Kaiser, Brian Allen, the center, Joe Noteboom. And John Franklin Myers, I'm going to go over to Mike and get your first thoughts. Well, like I said, being a, a high school lineman, I'm I'm going to be particular to the lineman. But uh, on this one, that you know, Joe, I think did a did a good job, but not tough down the stretch. But uh, I think I'm going to go with Mr. Uh, John Franklin Myers. Uh, you know, guy just played outstanding. Uh, you know, when you when you're a rookie, you know, there's so much that you got to come in and do and learn and and just figure out how to play the game. And, you know, he showed up in a number of instances and and, and made some some big plays, you know, for, again, a rookie. So, uh, you know, hopefully he, he's learned a lot from uh, from Brockers and, and, and a few more tricks 
up his sleeve, ready to go next year. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go with Big John. All right, Steve. I do want to give an honorable mention here to Jameel Denby just because of the meltdown Rams Twitter had after <laughs> we cut him, uh, which means he had a big impact in a short amount of time, and we actually brought him back later in the season. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's pretty clearly John Franklin Myers. And, well, I do think Noteboom especially is going to be a starter for this team at some point. Uh, nobody else in the rookie class played enough for me to even really consider them for this award. Uh, Franklin Myers in limited snaps played pretty well. He had some big plays for us in a couple games this year, even in the playoff run. And I think he was an impressive player for us. I think he too might at some point become a starter for this team, or if not a a very situ, very important situational player. Uh, but yeah, I mean, no boom didn't play much. Allen didn't play much. Uh, Micah Kaiser, who people were calling for to start in the playoff stretch, despite never playing, uh, also didn't play enough for him to get this award. So, yeah, I think it's JFM for me. Well, Kaiser playing special teams. I mean, we, we saw him out there. Uh, we didn't see a whole lot of Brian Allen. I was really impressed with Joe Nopum in terms of just when, when Whitworth got, got dinged up late in the year, he just stepped right in and played very well. But I think this is the easiest one of almost all of our categories here. John Franklin Myers made an impact in pretty much every game he played in. And uh, it doesn't... It didn't really surprise me that the Rams didn't go out there and get any more defensive line help at any point before the trade deadline because he was effective. And I wonder what their mentality is for him in the future, but what a great pick. What a great pick, a great find for them. And guess what? Our listeners agree at 82.8%. Brian Allen was second at 13.8%. And Joe Noteboom was uh, third with 3.4%. So there you guys go. All right. So we are almost done, guys. The L.A. Rams MVP. We had four nominees. Those nominees are Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and Brandon Cooks. Those are the four nominees that came in. So I'm going to start with with uh, Steve. Who is your pick? To me, it comes down to Goff and Donald. And I think you can make a case for both of them. I think with the argument I made before, if you took Donald off the defense and replaced him with a, you know, say a replacement level player, and then same for Goff, I think the offense takes a bit more of a hit than the defense does, but not a big one. And at the same time, I think Donald this season, a 21 and a half sacks, like we mentioned before, the, the best player in football. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's Donald. I don't really have much else to say about it, man. He dominated out of the middle, despite not getting a lot of help from the other guys in that defensive line, double teamed on over half of his snaps this year. I believe the number was 70% at one point and still set the record for most sacks by an interior lineman. It's gotta be Donald. I think he was at 20 and a half sacks for the year. Am I getting the wrong number? I think you do. I think you do. But, you know, it's late, we're tired and cranky, so I might be wrong. Yeah, Mike, no, you're right. I'm okay. sorry, I've been saying that for weeks, that he had 21 and a half, so I'm wrong. Well, the way he played, it might as well have been 25, so you're, right. you're good to go. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you could make cases for a number of the guys that, that are listed. You know, obviously, Gurley did his thing, but would disappear in games. Before I regret... Did you guys get a lot of questions this week about was Gurley heard or what's going on? Oh, yeah, and I think that's going to be the podcast um, later this week that we're going to talk about. Gotcha. I'm going to hit that because and I talked about it last week, too, with uh, with um, with Dylan Regan from Clutch Points because the media has just been ridiculous about it. And now it's hitting the rest of the Rams fans. It's all in Rams groups, you know, trade – Gurley, well, you can't. He's got a $16.8 million dead cap. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, not <laughs> at least next year. No. I mean, yeah. for a couple of years. The year after, it's like 12.5 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's not going anywhere. They paid all the guaranteed money. He is he is going to be around for a long time. So, And he's but, also not injured, just to say. Yeah, you he know what? Hurt. He might be a little hurt, but he's not injured. He wouldn't have played that much if he was injured. 
that that came up too on Twitter. Um, That's a good point. Somebody That's asked about point. that and and stated that uh, you know what was wrong with them. And, and my thought process with Todd Gurley was, I think in those last two games, I think it was more mental than anything else. Had that draw pass, he might not feel comfortable with his knee because, like you're saying, he's not injured, but it's probably not what he wants it to be. And, you know, so to me, that's what I got. Watching his body language in the Super Bowl, I just felt like he wasn't mentally right. Yeah, yeah. I just threw that out there. But getting back to the to the MVP, <laughs> yeah, I agree with Steve. I think uh, hands down, you're, you're talking about a guy in the middle of the field where everybody's surrounding you, ending up with that many sacks, pressures, making plays, you know, and just relentless game in game out you don't see him taking plays off or take a game off i mean it really means something for him to to be out on the field performing at at his highest level so it doesn't surprise me that he's already stated i'm gonna be back even better next year because he knows he he doesn't have to worry about contract stuff and all that stuff he can just come in be fresh you know no media attention just come in and Mm -hmm. just all from day one. So, yeah, my, I'm, I'm going with uh, big uh, AD on this one. All right, and for me, I'm the same. I, I look at it a little bit differently. I look at how the defense performed at times throughout the year where they gave it 27, 31, 35 points in a game, 51 against uh, the Chiefs. And when in all those games, it was a lot of times life-saving plays, really, from Aaron Donald that saved that defense. So... Uh, that's why I go with him. It's not just the fact that he was breaking double teams and sometimes triple teams. It's the fact that he still found a way to make an impact on games where the defense wasn't right. And game, the games the defense struggled, he still made the impact and, and made massive plays to make sure this team finished 13-3. I, I just don't see that defense holding up without him. He was the core of that defense, and he picked them up, especially when Tlaib went down. He really picked up that defense, so... There you go, folks. There's our awards because guess what? Aaron Donald at 79.3% of the vote uh, takes home our MVP this year. Jared Goff at 10.3% and Todd Gurley also at 10.3%. So, folks, a couple things. If you have more categories for next year, email them to us. We had a couple we picked out here and there, and in the end I took some out um, because I didn't have enough nominees. So, if you have something you want us to look at, send them in. This is a yearly thing for us. It's one of our more interesting podcasts that we do. And it's almost time for us to go. So, hey, sponsorship, reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, too, if you want, at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you that's got all of our numbers. And soon we'll even have a nice smiling picture of Michael Stewart in there showing you know his bio and everything. You don't need one. He's, he's, he's a Rams, what he is. Okay, don't follow us on Twitter at Talk Rams or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Also, the Rams Talk Room is where our group is. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find Steve at Steve Ribeiro. And you can find Michael at 1Duke23. Don't forget us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places. We're there. Come listen to us also. We Our show airs on iBeatRadio.com on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific. Also on Saturdays and Sundays as well, 10 Pacific time. And guys, this is your chance. Final thoughts before we roll out of here. If you guys still think Todd Gurley was injured, you could tweet me at Steve Barrow, and I will <laughs> explain to you that Sean McVay clearly just really liked C.J. Anderson. And if you watched the last six weeks of the seasons, you could tell that Anderson brought something different to the offense, and McVay really liked it and felt more comfortable with it in the NFC Championship. And I don't know why he felt more comfortable in the Super Bowl, but I think it's the same thing. All right, that may be a, a debate <laughs> for a different show, but... I'm here for it. I'll debate right. every week. Okay. Uh, Mike, what's your last thought there? My last thought is, uh, hey, I, I think that's an interesting thought. I, I think a little bit different in the sense of... Uh, I, I just feel you you just go with what's getting you there. So, you know, no no shade at, at, at Todd Gurley. Uh, but sometimes it's just a rhythm thing, and you never know. Maybe 
CJ came in. He's a little bit better at picking up the blocks. I know Gurley was early on, but, you know, if you got an injury or, like you say, you kind of banged up, you're not trying to really step up and block somebody blitzing. That's that's kind of my take. But other than that, man, I, I think, uh, again, it, there's a lot of questions we have to answer down the stretch, the offseason, who's going to stay and how they work around the cap number now. And, and I know I'm sure they're trying to work in some things to – get prepared for uh, paying Mr. Jared Goff. So uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. All right, so there you go. Uh, folks who do want to apologize, the, we had a little bit of a hard time with technical issues tonight. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll take care of that. It's, it happens. Yes, you know, will. It happens on podcasts, and, and um, you know, usually you know our qualities pretty well, so weird things happen. We'll call it the gremlin in the room. There's probably a 49er fan giving people a hard time. With yeah, exactly. um, that in mind... It's time for us to go. This is, again, for, for Mike and Steve. Go Rams. It's time for us to start talking 2019. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. From self-help books to meditation, we work hard to find peace of mind. Xfinity Home helps you rest easy with a total home security solution. Installed by experts and powered by secure and reliable Xfinity Wi-Fi, you'll get 24-7 professional monitoring with fast response times and real-time alerts, like when doors and windows are opened. Rest easier with Xfinity Home. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash home security. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires compatible high-speed internet. Professional installation required.